Grace, mercy, and peace to each one of you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you please bow your head with me? Gracious Father, once again we pray that you would keep your promise, and we know you will, that where your word goes forth, it will accomplish that purpose for which you sent it. Now we ask that you would do that in our hearts and our minds, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Our Bible passage for this morning is found in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. And though verses 19 and 20 are not found in your bulletin, we're going to go ahead and, and read that anyway because it provides context for what comes after it. So we begin with verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Let's stop there for just a second, shall we? Have there ever been truer words than these? It is not good for man to be alone. Maybe you have sensed it. Maybe you've sensed it deeply a time or two. Perhaps you're the only one in the room at a time or two and You're the only one in the room. Everybody is talking to each other, and you're the only one nobody is talking to. I've had that happen. I don't know if that says something about me, but but I've had that happen a lot of times, (laughs) seems like. Or maybe you've been in a situation where you're the only person around who believes what you believe. Maybe you're the only person who acts like you do. Maybe that's why they don't talk to me. I don't know. I'm the only guy that acts like I do. I don't know. (laughs) But maybe... But you can attest, I'm sure, just about every one of us, the truth of that statement. It is not good for man to be alone. Now, here, now that's a general truth spoken by God. But it's also especially true in this passage for Adam. We continue. God says this, I will make a helper suitable for him or comparable to him, our passage in our bulletin says. Now you say, somebody might say this anyway, hold on just a minute. Because God also created everything and then he said, behold, it is good. And when he created everybody, every, I mean, man and woman, he said, behold, it is very good. Why, why did he say in this case it is not good for man to be alone? Well, of course, he hadn't created Eve yet. That's what it is that's not good. But... Why didn't he specifically create them at the same time? Well, I think it's because he wanted to teach Adam something here. He wanted to teach him actually several lessons. One, mankind is different than all the animals. Secondly, how precious it is to have a spouse. And thirdly, teach him something about God himself, that God really will provide. And so, so we go on. And now we're going to read those passages uh, that are not printed in your bulletin. Uh, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. And uh, God says, oops, I've lost my place. Hold on a second. We've got to find those passages. Um, uh, Let's see here. Ah, here we go. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. 
And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Why put that passage in there? Why, why, why stick this in there in the part about the man not having a wife? And, and it's not good for man to be alone. And so why all of a sudden go to the animals then? Well, there's the lesson that God wants to teach Adam. And first off, let me say this, all right? Isaiah chapter 65 says, before they will call, I will answer. This passage right here is illustrative of that fact. Before they call, I will answer. Adam doesn't even know yet that he's a lonely guy. And God is going to make a helper comparable to him, right? Someone suitable for him. And so, before he creates Eve, he wants to teach Adam, first off, that he will provide, that God will provide. But secondly, the uniqueness of humankind. And so God brings all of the animals to Adam. And Adam names them. Isn't this interesting that he really does give authority over human beings, over the earth? Because whatever Adam named them, that's what they were named. It wasn't God that named the animals, it was Adam. And you can just see this living object lesson uh, as it takes place. The animals come, and, and here are the cattle, and, and he sees a cow and a bull, and he names them. And here come the elephants, male and female. Here comes the cats, male and female. How long do you suppose it took before Adam realized, I'm the only one of my kind? I'm, I am a lonely guy, you know? How long do you suppose? I bet it wasn't very long before he began to realize he's the only one of, of, the, of the humankind. And so now we get down to verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. I got to say this for the guys in here who have all sweated, had those those anxiety-filled moments, wondering if somebody is going to go out with you if you ask them out. This is an easy way to find a wife, don't you think? You go to sleep, you wake up, and there she is. And <laughs> it's, it's a lot better than the way I tried it. <laughs> but the Lord gave me a good one anyway, so. <clears throat> For some, is it easy? Is it, is, so here's my point here, okay? For some people, it is easy to find the right mate. For others, it is exceedingly difficult and hard. But marriage is God's plan, isn't it? That's what he says. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Let's stop again for just a minute, shall we? Because marriage is God's idea, and he says it right here. The very beginning he establishes marriage between a man and a woman. Many of you are not yet married, and God willing, you will be one day. 
I'd just like to offer a word of advice, and that is that you should know ahead of time at least some of the characteristics that you're looking for in a mate. And I would like to, I would like to suggest two characteristics that you put on your list of characteristics of the person that you want to marry. Characteristic number one is someone who is well acquainted with the Savior. I say well acquainted because there are Christians out there who are just sort of, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, I suppose. And that's not the person you want to marry. You want to marry someone who is well acquainted with his or her Savior. As we heard yesterday and, and again on Tuesday, someone who is reading their Bible, someone who is striving to know Jesus better, you want to know that person. You want to have that person as your spouse because they will help you get to know the Savior better. And that's important because we will stand before him one day and we don't want to stand before him as a stranger. And him, and we, I mean, he's going to say, I never knew you to some people, right? We don't want him to say that to us. We want to know him better and better. And then the second characteristic is this. Someone who is well acquainted with his or her own sinfulness. Someone who can see themselves. Someone who has learned the art, at least to some degree, of introspection. Who can see themselves and confess their sins. Why do I say that? Because that person is more likely to be patient with the sins of others if they know themselves. And you will need them to be patient. You will need him or her to be patient with you. Two characteristics that are important in a spouse. There are others, but those are the two I want to mention. And finally, we get to verse 25, and it says this. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, what is that? that seems like, again, there's, the passage is put there almost out of place. But it's not out of place. And scholars differ about the meaning of this, but, but it at least means this. Okay? That when Adam and Eve stood before God in their state of perfection, they were completely exposed, inwardly and outwardly. God can see it all. And they were completely exposed and they had nothing to hide. Okay? Nothing of which to be ashamed. Now it's interesting. After they sin, what's the first thing they do? They get fig leaves and try to cover themselves. First in the presence of each other, they try to cover themselves. They are ashamed before each other. And then what do they do when God calls to them? They try and hide from God. They're hiding themselves. That is, their actions on the, on the outside betrayed their conscience on the inside, their guilty conscience on the inside. It betrayed their shame on the inside. And what does God do? He took the initiative to cover them. He covered their bodies with the skins of animals. And he covered their sins with the blood of the lamb. Is there something on your conscience that makes you afraid this morning? Afraid of God. Afraid that you will not be the kind of spouse that you should be. Do not try to hide it from the one who sees it all, but confess it. That's what God says to do. 
because he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Believe it. All unrighteousness. Believe it. Amen.